Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. For a lot of these kind of industrial applications, something like a place called the optical recognition works together with something which can listen to music. So they can marry the two together. So moving um, around operatic scenery, you'd have something listening to the music and then comparing that to what to the XML produced by PlayScore. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. My guest today is Anthony Wilkes. Anthony is the CEO of PlayScore, the makers of PlayScore 2 and the optical music recognition library ReadScoreLib that third-party developers can license from PlayScore. This is an app that was mentioned in episode 128 with Daniel Spreadbury. This app lets you snap a photo of sheet music and convert it to a digital file you can work with in apps like Dorico, or use within PlayScore 2 to use as a practice tool to learn a piece of music. In this interview, we dive into how he got into music and technology, the app's origins, how the app is used today, what is next for PlayScore 2, and some of the more interesting uses of that library being licensed to third parties. With that said, I just want to remind everyone that you can now financially support iPad Pros in two different places. First off, patreon.com slash iPad Pros. Get episodes early and with embedded MP3 chapter markers by supporting the podcast at any tier. Bonus content is also available at the higher tiers. You can also now subscribe to iPad Pros in Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is an all-inclusive single subscription. So you'll get all of the bonus content plus episodes early by subscribing to the show in Apple Podcasts. By default, subscriptions are monthly, but if you go into your subscription settings in the settings app, you can switch it to a yearly plan. My thanks to everyone that currently or has in the past supported the podcast financially. This podcast is not a quick one to produce, and your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. You can also support the podcast for free simply by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. No matter your region, it really does help. The reviews help send the right signals to Apple to show this podcast more in search, helping others discover the show. If you have a minute today, I'd really appreciate you opening up the podcast app and leaving a review. My thanks to everyone that has already done that. With that, here's my interview with Anthony. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Can you first uh, introduce yourself and kind of how you personally use the iPad if you do? Oh, yeah. My, my, uh, I'm Anthony Wilkes, and uh, I uh, developed the optical uh, music recognition in the PlayScore 2 app. Um, I love the iPad. Uh, with an app like, uh, like PlayScore 2, you can use it on a phone, and it's, it's real handy for taking pictures of music and listening. But on the iPad, you can really see a good page of music. And it's it's a device that's absolute enough to play from on a music stand or on the piano. And so having um, PlayScore accompany you maybe on your instrument, I'm a cellist myself. Yeah. That, uh, I love that. And, and probably the iPad is the only, only is the probably the best tablet for, for, for doing all that good stuff. Excellent. Yeah. And as a cellist, do you use Score and PlayScore like when you're sitting at a music stand or a piano working on um, a performing or playing? Well, personally, I, I, I still, uh, I do a lot of chamber music and orchestral playing and um, I don't use a device at the moment for, uh, for that. Uh, I think it, it'll come, but uh, it'll probably come as all the players, um, you know, begin to use that. Right. Um, yeah. 
but I use it a lot for for things like uh, accompaniment and especially in my case for analysis. So if you've got a string quartet and you want to to show the inner parts that they're not quite dovetailing perfectly, then play score is a great way to do that because you can just pull out the two inner parts and start anywhere in the piece you like. Uh, And so it's a real help for working on a string quartet. Excellent, yeah. So your background obviously is with music. And when was it in your life that you decided this was a need in the world that this app, you know, digitizing music, you know, just taking a photo of a piece of music and turning that into something you can work with on the computer, something that needed to exist? Well, it was around, uh, I should think around 2005 that I I started thinking about this seriously. Um, I, uh, the idea of, uh, of uh, OMR, optical music recognition. There, there were optical music recognition uh, applications at the time, but they weren't very good and they didn't sound very good. And it seemed the whole idea of this just seemed like magic to me. I just had had this. Of course, this was before devices and apps, but I had this um, idea both that it could be wonderful in playing music, but also and that. At that time, Google were digitizing the world's libraries. And I thought, well, what about music libraries? And so I, I realized that this, this would be a wonderful thing. And also that there, that there was a, an opportunity there. Um, so I guess around 2005. Those were definitely early days. You'd need to use scanners because back then the cameras on like there wasn't even an iPhone, but <laughs> cell phone cameras were kind of laughably bad back then. Yeah, just starting, just starting, yeah. Yeah, so what were the ambitions for the original app, and how have has the app kind of improved over the years to what it is today? Well, the first, my first project, actually, was to, was to create a library that developers, gen, developers generally could use um, to build into applications for, for the sort of things that we've been talking about, but also for a much wider set of things, like, for example, automatic page turning, um, and also we'll maybe talk about this later, but, mm-hmm. but some, some, some things which you perhaps, you know, you wouldn't think of like, um, like controlling operatic lighting, for example. Um, and so my focus was on creating a library, um, but I mean, a, a, you know, a digital library, some, something which developers could build into uh, any kind of app. And that was the first, that, that was the first thing I tried to do. And of course, when apps came along, it was an ideal opportunity to, to do a demo, to demonstrate this technology. Right. Uh, and at that moment, little did I think that the app would become such a big, big part of, uh, of this. Uh, so originally, the app was, it was just PlayScore, what we like to call PlayScore Classic. Uh, a very simple app, a black screen with two buttons, which would just take a picture of music and, and play it back to you. And, and that the purpose of that was to be a demo for our, our OEM customers. That makes total sense, yeah. And I'm guessing people saw the, the main app and were like, oh, this is great. We want more out of this. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's basically it. We, the, the app, we didn't expect this, but the app kind of got a life of its own and it started, um, there was a free one and then uh, there was one for a few dollars which would export music XML. And um, uh, there, we had quite a few people buy it and, and a lot of comments from people because 
that the app at that time was was pretty much a toy. It was a demo, yeah. and people were, people were requesting all sorts of features, and um, and we thought, okay, well, we've got to take this a bit more seriously, and that led to PlayScore Two. Um, PlayScore Two started out uh, as an app which would do what the original demo app did, plus multiple pages and PDF scores, um, but not a great deal beyond that. And Subsequent releases over the last three years, it's now an, uh, an uh, you know a fully a fully featured um, a serious tool for musicians. So it's come a long way. Yeah, it's a tool that um, I used recently. Someone very close to me is starting to take voice lessons, and the instructor sent over a PDF of the piano and voice, and she wanted to hear the piano behind her as she was practicing. And this was a great great uh, tool to to do that because we didn't have um, the audio recording, just the PDF to work with. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, play scores used a lot by, um, well, it's actually used a lot by choirs and singers uh, who maybe want to pull out their own particular part. So the conductor will prepare uh, uh, four play score documents, one for alto, one soprano, tenor and bass. And um, each of those will have the, uh, uh, the um, that particular part pulled out against maybe the the other parts in the background or maybe not there at all, and uh, the conductor sends that out to the to the singers and um, the singers can interact with the music. They can tap where they want. They can create little loops and go faster and slower. Uh, all all the things really you need to practice your part. Yeah. Now something. I was trying to do is just get a straight audio export from PlayScore, like an MP3. Um, I, I tried working with MIDI exports and using other apps to get the audio, but PlayScore's playback engine is just so good. It was um, um, something that I'm kind of curious about is, do you guys envision eventually allowing just straight audio out of the app as a, a file you can send to people so to... Export their play score documents in that way. Well, uh, that's really interesting. You should ask that, and 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 it's certainly something the app should and will have. But uh, our, our usual, well, the way we think of, of this is that the design, the, the sort of commercial design um, of PlayScore is a bit like uh, other formats, like PDF itself. In fact, that, that at least as it was originally, that it's it's that you pay something to uh, to. Cr- create a document but you don't have to pay to to use the document right. to play it back and and so now we're on android um and we'll i hope before long be on pc and mac uh anybody will have access to to the free download and can play back anywhere so okay. that that kind of uh, largely obviates the need for a uh for uh at least in most situations mm-hmm. for a we, we we figured that was the way it was that that that, that was a sort of better answer to, to that question, but um, uh, maybe maybe we've overlooked something there. Okay, yeah. So the idea is you just tell the person download this free app and here's the file, and uh, the great flexibility you gain there is you're able to adjust uh, playback parameters and do the loops that you're talking about, and um, really have a be a better tool than just the audio file. Yeah, that was that was the idea. Yeah. So, uh, and the people people like it, of course, because for a whole choir, it's just one subscription, one subscription for the conductor, and um, it's free for everybody else. Yeah. And this is a tool that I would have killed for back in in high school. I did uh, saxophone ensemble 
you know, arrangements. I'd, I'd be breaking, I'd be either expanding from like a piano piece or, um, you know, contracting from a, an orchestral or band piece and just the act of trying to get uh, these scores digitized to work with the, the melodies and the, the notes was a very time intensive process. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from arrangers and or people that are orchestrating music? Is this a tool being used to, to do these kind of, this kind of work? Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's, that's one big, I would say our, our user base is broken. The three big chunks are um, choirs and um, and uh, pulling out parts of what we've been talking about, um, accompaniment, people who want an accompaniment for practicing, uh, and um, arrangers, composers who use the app primarily to uh, to get music into a into a, an editor like MuseScore or the one I use a lot, Dorico, yeah, which is a, um, and um, uh, that's and of course with the power of some of these things, especially Dorico, which is a terrific powerful thing and now on the ipad as well mm-hmm. and works really well on the ipad um you can you really can just photograph a score and see it in seconds i, I mean really just seconds in dorico with now with, uh, with the new release with all the text and lyrics um there you know immediately there um and of course that's you know so much more powerful than the old days when we used to um well you you know what we used to go through we we'd have to do all this by hand yeah both on the scanning end and and on the, the you know editing end mm-hmm. absolutely and what kind of um what should people expect from the scanning process like a huge score does it matter how many staves are in the score for how the success fit rate will be are, are jazz scores a bit trickier because of the notation being a bit uh, less conventional um, versus classical scores? Uh, okay. Um, well, for photograph music, if you're using the camera, I think uh, chamber music is about the limit. Okay. Probably because yeah. you can't get a, you can't get a you can imagine in a big score orchestral score there's an awful lot of detail there, there is, yeah. and it's very difficult to cap- capture that with a handheld camera. Um, uh, so I would say that after that size of score, you want to go to a, a, a professionally produced PDF. Yeah. Um, some of those on IMSLP or, or those direct from the publisher. And in theory, that there are no limits in place. Score. It's, it it uh, ought to be able to, to find all the staves and, and everything. Um, there is there is some um, a couple of controls in the app. Which will allow you to um, to increase the scale. It's uh, it's called sampling. There's a sampling slider in the control panel, and uh, you can increase that to to get more out of a, a dense PDF. So that can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing intrinsically. Uh, um, and the, of course, the other thing with big scores is transposing instruments. You, you yeah. uh, uh, and there, there's a uh, this is a transposing and the different things people mean by that term is a is quite a complicated subject and there are three or four quite different meanings but um when you if you have a score with transposing instruments play score if you turn on auto transposition play score should make sense of that but there there are exceptions and those exceptions are mainly for transposing brass that when they don't use key signatures i won't go technicalities of all this but uh well you can read all about it in our help and uh, and so there are some things you can do automatically some things you can do 
um, manually and some things you can't do at all yet. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, another problem with big scores is that, that they'll have um, systems which uh, represent just some of the instruments. So you might you might have 10 instruments on one page and then perhaps two on the next page. Right. And, and there's not always enough context information there for play score to be able to figure out which match which. So so that's that's another thing you might have to edit afterwards. Right. Um, these are all things we're working on. We're very aware of that particular last one. Gotcha. Yeah. And as far as jazz notation, is there any struggles there with it not using the standard uh, no, uh, I'm a font, uh, I guess. Yes. Well, if you're referring to there's a there's a kind of, play score doesn't handle handwritten music, right? And it does, and nor does it handle music which is kind of printed to look like handwritten music. Yeah. So these are sometimes called jazz fonts. Um, it's not something we've done. It's I think it's I think we will do it, but I, I'm not aware of any notation editor. Uh, no, no scanner rather that, that can do this at the moment. Although I don't know, you might not know this, but um, while I've uh, been developing uh, this technology, I also took a bit of time out to to write the handwriting engine for uh, Neurotron's Notate Me, and and that's handwriting, and that will um, uh, will accept uh, will to a certain extent handle jazz scores, but of course uh, handwriting. Uh, recognition is in its infancy yeah so yeah so i think that this is something which isn't there yet but uh but will will come okay yeah it seems long term um like partnering with the people that make these fonts you could probably do some work and like you could um have a different font library for the the fake well, handwritten stuff from jazz scores perhaps in the future yeah it's that we i concluded that that's not quite the way to to do it, the, 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 the music is so so um, so incredibly varied. Yeah. I mean, most most people know the kind of music they play, um, and uh, uh, but if you you're someone like me who's working with all kinds of music, uh, and you look through through the scores I've got, which are millions of scores, um, yet you you see how incredibly varied they are. How a, I don't know a a, a, um, a, a Wagner vocal part, let's say. Uh, and a, a hymn book, and a um, you know a rock piece with yeah. drums. I mean, these things are totally different, and so you can't you can't really uh, you you can't really look for individual fonts or anything of that sort, okay. especially going back three hundred years. Yeah. What you really have to do is to look look at music generally, mm-hmm. and um, and so handling jazz fonts is will probably come out of, of handling music more widely in in many directions okay. over many dimensions yeah and that'll that work will also probably improve the the standard recognition in that process by making it just being able to look at more music in that way yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, i mean the aim being to to handle not only uh, a wide wider and wider field of different types of music but also music of of poorer and poorer quality. I mean, image quality. Yeah, uh, and yeah I remember in band having some very horrible looking photocopies that were a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, and that's what you're trying to work with. That, that kind of thing, yes. That's, yeah. that's the sort of thing we're working on all the time. And we, we inch forward. There's a there's a uh, a good step in the uh, in the new release, which represents nearly 18 months development. 
Yeah. Excellent. And in that new release, you also mentioned um, OCR. So you not only have optical music recognition, but optical character recognition for text. So as you mentioned, um, for vocal uh, stuff, you don't need to be writing in the lyrics anymore. That stuff will come along for the ride, which is a- an excellent addition. Yeah. yeah yes. Uh, you have to switch it on. It's in, in the control panel. Um, but once you switch it on, it should pull in all, all the lyrics. It should pull in directions, uh, titles to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but remember, this is music XML. Guitar chords in many cases. Um, yeah, all kind of things like that. Is tempo um, something it, it brings in, if it's tempo not in like 70, 70 equals quarter note, but instead like allegro, will that be now recognized by the system? Okay. Um, the, this is the plan. Our first step was to um, to incorporate optical character recognition to do all the things I, I just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, uh, now that that does not include uh, actually interpreting uh, uh, those things in playback. It's, it's certainly dynamics and articulation and uh, that kind of thing in the hairpins and the like in the playback. Uh, but in this version. Uh, things like Allegro or Crotchet Equals are not interpreted for playback. Okay. That's the next step. Yeah. You'll see that in, in a future release, probably later this year. Okay, very cool. Uh, for the iPad version, is it um, just expanding on what the iPhone screen is able to show you? Any particular enhancements for the iPad and especially the larger 12.9-inch screen iPad? Uh, the app isn't different, actually. The app is exactly the same for iPhone and iPad. But of course, the effect on that device is is you know, vastly superior on the um, on the iPad. Not only from the visual point of view, from the audio point of view, because the audio is much better, yeah. and I think the the um, playback sounds miles better on the on on the iPad. But the app itself it tries to deal with the, the different issues and problems connected with those two devices. Uh, it tries to deal with that in one app. So it'll uh, it'll make choices, but you don't need a different uh, a different app for it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so at the very beginning of the conversation, we spoke about the third party apps that are able to use the ReadScore library. Um, are there any notable examples of this um, yet? Yeah, there there are a few. Um, we tend to prefer to license the uh, um, the app to um, uh, to developers that aren't going to produce a a direct competitor to play score. Uh, I must admit that, but there, but there's a, a nice piano uh, practice app called uh, Halberstude. It's a German from a German uh, um, group of developers, which is, is a very nice app. You take a picture of it, your piano music and it, it lays it out for you. And it's all aimed at, um, at uh, le- learning the piano. Okay. It's, a, it's, yeah. like it's a kind of vertical market. Mm-hmm. There's another one, another good one called Harmony Helper, which is a group of uh, people in New York, and that's for uh, aimed specifically at musical theatre and for people who don't read music. So it um, it shows the music in a kind of MIDI layout, if you if you understand me, yeah. it's a kind of graphic layout which isn't music. Uh, that's <clears throat> there's a couple of apps there. There are some Chinese ones too, uh, and uh, but mostly. Um, we don't have a huge, huge number. We're, we're quite careful about whom we license the technology to, partly because of um, the issues of piracy and the like, yeah. um, uh, particularly in China. 
But we have quite a few kind of what I term OEM industrial users uh, who use it for things like uh, like page turning and um, and one very interesting one to do with um, uh, op uh, with operatic lighting and scenery, uh, which is very very much experimental. But that's that's an interesting direction for a lot of these kind of industrial applications. Something like a place score, the optical recognition works together with something which can listen to music so they can marry the two together. So moving um, around operatic scenery, you'd have something listening to the music and then comparing that to what to the XML produced by PlayScore um, and putting the whole thing together so it can work to a, to a script for, for the lights, for example. That's super cool. Yeah, automating that so it's less... Um... Yeah, see your pants. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever you ever been to the Met and see the stage they've got there, that amazing stage. Yeah, uh, you can just do anything. You know, I mean, the, the possibilities are vast. Yeah, I remember working in theater in high school and being in that light room and just like the amount of knobs and stuff that and all the um, kind of cues to to change stuff was was a lot. So I can imagine that even just with the opera and larger scale stuff, just that being a huge win. Yeah. I, 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 I too, when I, at one point when I was a student, I had a job working in a theater operating the lights. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's more complicated than, than, than you'd expect, isn't it? And also, also a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, opportunities for uh, for making a mess of it and, and turning on the light at the wrong time, that, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You have to watch out for that. Yeah. For um, the playback engine, there's a bunch of different virtual instruments. And they all sound really great. What was what has been your process for, for getting playback right in the app and offering different settings uh, for playback so when you're practicing it, it's a good tool for that? Well, uh, we put a lot of effort early on into making the, play, the playback as musical as we could. Um, and that uh, the, the key to that is to making it continuous, so it's not jerky, so that it keeps the beat. You know, because the, the first thing in playing music, the, the rhythm is is the it's the you know the basis of music, isn't it? It's the it comes before melody, it comes before harmony. The uh, the rhythm is what's sort of built into us, and that's that's the key to good playback. And then uh, you can go a long way with just doing what the composer said. And not, and not every performer does that. Yeah. But if you follow the composer's instructions, that that uh, is generally a very good guide to how to, how to make good sounding music. And then beyond that, we do a lot of things like being careful about the kind of of um, grace notes or the kind of staccato in different circumstances or the little turns and things. All those details which make it kind of musical. Um, and finally. The uh, we went to a lot of trouble to 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 get the right instruments and nice sounding instruments. The piano, I I, I think, is great in play score. It's uh, it's um, not a standard MIDI piano. It's a uh, I, I think it's a good piano. And um, some of the other instruments, are some better than others, but the flute, for example, is lovely. So those things together, that's 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 uh, playback. You can't. There's not a great deal you can do to change the. The quality of the playback, other than, of course, um, uh, you can adjust. Well, you can adjust the volume of every um, 
of every stave. And in fact, you can adjust the, the volume independently if you've got two parts on the stave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, of course, you've got different instruments, so you can orchestrate. That's um, uh, So you can try out different orchestrations. You can turn a string quartet into a wind quartet. Um, uh, and you can alter the speed, of course. Um so that give that gives you some flexibility. Okay. Yeah. And for the tempo, is I know there's a way to like loop uh music for repeats. For tempo changes, is there a way to tell it at X part in this play score file, change it to this tempo and at this bar change it back to that tempo? Is that something that's in there or something being worked on? Well, that's that will come when we start interpreting the text. Okay. Uh, and the and the um the the crotchet equals yeah. uh, no take okay um, yeah um, to go beyond that and, and uh, allow the user to to specify tempo changes uh, yes I, it depends what, what kind of interest we get for that kind of functionality I suspect that when you get to that point um, one option is to export to a, to something like Dorico mm-hmm. which has a lot of control of things like that right yeah definitely and um, for repeats. Um, Often repeats have different endings, like first ending, second ending. Is that something you foresee play score handling, or is that something uh, that would be better served by a tool like Dorico to, to handle? Oh, play, play score already does that. Oh, it does. Okay, uh, it does. Yeah, um, it uh, the the handling of that has been improved in the new release, so you, you'll probably find that's better. First and second endings. It doesn't currently do third endings and fourth endings and it doesn't uh, act on um, textual um, directions like coda mm-hmm. but that, uh, but uh, along with other text directions that that's the next step in incorporating uh, optical character recognition okay excellent are there any big cha- or big updates you guys are working on outside of the things we've spoken about so far that you're um, okay sharing at this point well uh, the, the the new update is is uh, uh, represents a vast amount of work and uh, uh, what comes next well um, we we're, we haven't uh, worked out exactly what the next big release will be but but one of the candidates is uh, is a solution for uh, for larger scores as we were talking about earlier ways of um, of making sure that when a uh, one one system has nine instruments and another system has three that the right ones are connected up it uh, it certainly does a lot to, to try and get that right, but it's not always possible to do it. And so some user interface for saying, this is this is the horn here, and this is the horn here. So maybe like a little colored dot or something like that. Or, yeah. um, so you can marry them up um, so that if the, the instrument names aren't in the score or for, there's some uh, the possibility of... Um, of confusion, then you can you can um, actually specify that and join them up together. That um, another thing is uh, to complete the support for scores with transposing instruments to um, incorporate uh, transposing brass really uh, really comprehensively. That would be another thing, uh, um, and of course, the, always the ongoing improvements in in recognition. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what the whole app is based on. And it does a great job with it um, in, in my testing with the, the couple examples I, I tried out. As as far as um, your users, what have been some of the coolest stories you've heard from kind of the field and getting like, thank you, this app exists kind of stories. Uh, this is how I used it. 
Well, uh, there are all sorts of things um, uh, like that. Um, there's an increasing amount of interest from the academic community. Um, uh, there's a, a group of um, the, the optical music recognition is actually quite a uh, quite a, a well covered field in academia. Um, surprisingly, so there was a, a a conference in Spain, one of these international conferences that that uh, has the conference in a different place every year. Uh, that I gave the keynote, in fact, at the last one in, in Spain, and um, they, uh, as well as working on on techniques uh, in optical music recognition, uh, a lot of them using neural nets. They're interested in things like uh, the statistical analysis of music uh, on a, from a historical point of view, all the things you can do, a, a classification of phrases, light motifs in Wagner, that kind of thing, that kind of, if you like, big data. Mm-hmm. And with these score libraries like the IMSLP library, which is now huge, uh, it's, it's beginning to be possible to to do some of this this work on on the world's music. But of course, you do need good optical recognition to achieve that, uh, and so that's the connection. So that that's one really interesting uh, um, uh, side of this. Another uh, the right at the other end of the scale is that there's a Korean tenor, very good tenor called Charles Kim. And um, about a year ago, a little more now, about a year ago, he um, uh, actually during lockdown, he um, released some videos of him singing all sorts of things, singing Schubert and also singing Wagner, Tristan and Isolde, using play score as the accompaniment. And so his videos, you see play score playing uh, Tristan and Isolde and Charles singing it. Oh, wow. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really quite successful. So that's, um, I, I thought that was a really um, nice use of the app. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's amazing. Diving back into your background a bit, how did you get into music and develop a love of music? Well, uh, I didn't come from a musical family particularly. Uh, I came from a computing family. My father, Morris Wilkes, was one of the early uh, computing pioneers and uh, built the, the EDSAC, which was a, uh, a big old computer, which was in Cambridge, uh, UK, which was first operational in 1949. So this is a huge machine taking up a floor of a large building um, and uh, could do calculations, first real calculations in 1949, and very soon became a service for the whole university and um, was at the forefront of all sorts of advances in X-ray crystallography and other things. Um, but as a child, my main interest is what was in um, going down to the lab on Saturday mornings with my father and, and trying to pick up components that I could then use in my own crazy inventions at home. Uh, I remember there was the EDSAC-1, the very early computer, had a great big panel of what we call peanut neons. Peanut neons are the kind of valve equivalent of little LEDs. Yeah. So there are a panel of these things. They look like LEDs, except they're neon, uh, high voltage. Um, and I, I hankered after this thing. I, I so much wanted it. And when the, um, uh, the EDSAC was decommissioned, because they needed the space for EDSAC-2, uh, I was in there first, and I uh, I was able to go home with that Bakelite panel of peanut neons and make some uh, a, a weird device with it. Um, so that's my uh, beginnings of my interest in technology. Uh, in music, well, uh, I I was a keen guitarist as a as a uh, as a boy, and um, in my teens, I 
uh, spent a couple of years uh, with a early psychedelic band and working professionally um, around the UK. Not not a very well-known band, a sort of supporting type band. Uh, I did that between the ages of about 16 and 18, at which point I decided to start taking music seriously. And um, uh, I went to music college studying cello with, uh, well, in particular with Rohan Dasaram, a wonderful Sri Lankan cellist, um, and uh, at Trinity Trinity College in, in London. Um, and uh, so that's my background in, in music. Uh, I'm, I'm also a composer. You can find my compositions on IMSLP. Um, and so I, and I've always been an active musician. When personal computers, things like the, the Apple computer and um, Commodore PET uh, came out, I, uh, uh, I started to be seriously interested in software development. And, and I guess you could say it all started from there. Yeah. No, fascinating. Yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those when you have different passions that can intersect like that. Yeah, yeah, it's one. I mean, it's wonderful what's possible today. It's so exciting. Yeah, going from a full room computer that takes up a lot of power to handheld devices that are just exponentially more powerful than than what yeah, just magic. Of. I mean, it's just magic. Something like PlayScore uh, is it's um, it's kind of like magic. I mean, it's something that that couldn't have been imagined. To, even a decade ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember just, um, yeah, probably about, uh, it was around 2006 or so just doing text recognition would cause like a high end MacBook pro to spin up its fans, work for hours on end, trying to understand, uh, from a PDF, what text is in here. And now we're able to do music recognition on our phones, like instantly. It's, it's baffling. I know it's, I mean, text OCR text recognition took, took decades to, be mastered the software techniques is not an easy problem no uh, uh, now it's very good um and a uh, same thing goes for optical music recognition it's a, it's a, another order of difficulty on top of that and and people have been working on it for a long time um me included um but it's a fascinating field um and uh, i guess you know i'm one of those people that they, i think about what i do all the time um, and uh, all I really want to do is just improve this technology and make it better and better. And there's plenty of scope for doing that. Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything we missed that you'd like to cover before we wrap it up? I think we've we've covered it pretty well, Tim. And, uh, I think that's great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, where can people find more information about PlayScore Two? Uh, okay. The, um, well, from from your your interview, uh, that's one place. There's our website, of course, um, PlayScore.co. .co, um, and uh, there are a lot of vi- uh, videos on YouTube now um, uh, that's on our own channel you can find videos and but if you just search for PlayScore uh, on YouTube you'll, you'll find an increasing number of them and of course you can always write to us because um, I, I personally I really love talking to users and um, I, I very much enjoy um, doing technical support so emails are very welcome excellent well thank you so much for your time Anthony this has just been a a delight and just really interesting learning kind of the background of this app and kind of how it can be used well great to talk to you Tim well that was my interview with Anthony my thanks to Anthony for his time recording this interview and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in you can support the podcast over at patreon.com slash epicpros or by subscribing to the podcast in Apple Podcasts with that I'll talk to everyone again 
real soon.